Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Woo! Would you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Mm-hmm. Join us in the Curiosity Shop at patreon.com backslash Bones and Bobbins. Your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group where all the good people are. Yes. Yes. So if you are also one of the good people, you should probably join us because we're over here. Join us. Join us and have all the funds. You can sit here. Yes, you can. Yes. In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. Hello, morbid makers. We are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merely morbid, marvelously misanthropic hosts. And this is Bones and Bobbins, Season 3, Episode 5, You Don't Gotta Go Home, But You Can't Play Here, Abandoned Places. Yes. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast, and I go by she and her. And I'm Natalie from Uberdork Designs, an official true crime creative, and my pronouns are she and her. So, you've had a hell of a week. I have had a hell of two weeks. <laughs> oh, right. It started out with uh, my... I mean, every spring, I generally get a sinus ear infection combo. This yeah, time, me too. it went for like the trifecta and tossed some strep in there, which, all right. Uh, about six days into my antibiotics, uh, despite all of our efforts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Co- COVID, COVID hit. Because <laughs> um, you needed COVID on. Right? Top of all of those other things. I'm like, this, yeah. this is fine. I'm just a walking Petri dish of plaguery. Um, <laughs> so thankfully, I mean, we're boosted and we're vaxxed and boosted. Uh, youngest offspring uh, was gone for all of last week um, to their dads for spring break. Uh, my eldest and I um, ate a lot of very, very, very spicy soup. And <laughs> ate oranges, and I tried to force them to take their mucinics with codeine that was prescribed, <laughs> and they fought me tooth and nail because yuck meds. Um, but also, mucinics with codeine's the good stuff. Right? Just take a nap. That right? is. Yeah, I I feel like the joys of any expectorant with codeine really lost on kids. Like, best sleep ever. This is what I'm saying. Um, But yeah, so we we limped through it. Uh, Thankfully, I mean, I very, very grateful. Very grateful. I'm still just 
I'm, I'm stuffy, which you can hear, but I'm not like super congested. I didn't have any difficulty breathing. Um, nothing clot wise. I'm also just extremely fatigued. Everything takes so much effort and I just want to sleep all the time. Um, so it's going to take a while, I guess, to get back, but I don't do well with not having all of my energy and being able to like, I don't, I don't do well with naps and, and not doing things, you know, just like, I, yeah, yeah, like not being go, go, go. Like I'm not, I don't do well with that (laughs) at all. No, but, uh, it's, I mean, you need to, to rest. Yeah, and I, you need to let yourself rest. That was the biggest, uh, biggest amount of growth for me because uh, there's there's been many times where I would have just pushed it till I ended up in the hospital like an idiot. Um, and but this time I'm like, nope, mm-hmm. this is COVID, <laughs> and yep. you know, even if it's mild, you never know. And there's it, it hits everybody different, and there's the whole long term things, and it's just like. Plus, you know, my kids got it too, and I need to, I need to lead by example that it's okay for you to listen to your body and to rest because they love school and want to go to school. And I was like, you could do it via Zoom, but you can't, you know. And if you're too tired, then you don't show up. Like it's you've gotta, you gotta sleep, and yeah, you've got to take care of yourself. Yeah, you got to get the rest, and with and with something like COVID, like that's all you can do. Like there's nothing you can really. You know, it's fluids and rest. That's all all you can do. Yep. You just have to. It's a virus. You can't argue with it. Right? Right? So. I mean, you can. I mean, you can, but it's not There are treatments <laughs> and a varying efficacy, but largely you just have to let a virus be a virus. Right. So, and that sucks. It does. So it was crappy timing because I just had all these pieces in place to like zoom forward with a bunch of projects and now I'm like yeah I'm behind now so but that's okay yeah I mean there's nothing you can do about it right so it'll all work out yeah I mean it's fine and I feel like most things that you plan to zoom forward on you can just zoom forward on when you're done right when you have gotten some rest and are feeling better. I'm trying to baby zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me call you and give you lectures on taking naps. That is true. (laughs) In forced nap time. Oh, my goodness. So how are you? I have missed your face. Yes, I'm very glad to see your face and also to hear your voice because I've been worried. Oh, I I am a tough, I am a tough. I may be squishy, but I'm tough. I know you are, but still, you know, you worry about the people you love. Oh, love fest. Uh, I just got awkward. Welcome to my autism. But also, I was just looking the other way and saw something I had mistyped by laying my hand on the keyboard. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so I'm I'm okay. My mom was here last week, Yay. which was really nice. I haven't seen her in about six months, and 
I mean, I haven't seen my dad in more than two years because I haven't been able to go back to Michigan, but my mom likes New York, mm. and it's it's just a little easier. Like, my mom and I are really close. She doesn't mind being trapped in a 500-square-foot apartment with me, <laughs> and so we spent the week... Um, we always pick shows to binge, so... We finally, finally watched um, Only Murders in the Building. Yes! <laughs> and it was so good, except, come on, give me a podcast editing montage. No, right. <laughs> I just need one all-nighter podcast editing montage because you cannot record a podcast at 5.30 for release at 7.30. <laughs> no. <laughs> in the morning. It's just not how podcasts it's, work. No, it's not. But no, uh, also, I mean, unless you have like an engineer working right. at the same time you record, like yeah, anyway. and they definitely don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. And so that is that is yeah. my only thought oh, on the that ending, particular though, subject. Like, I need season two immediately. <laughs> they are filming, and. I don't think that I knew that it was set at uh, the Dakota. Oh, I mean, okay. It obviously mm-hmm. was called not that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that was the Dakota. It was definitely the for real building um, and the outside of it. So that was. It's just so lovely. It's just so well done. And Yeah. Yeah. It was good. And it is sort of funny because that building is very much like that you have the ridiculous ridiculous famous people i mean you know john lennon used to live there Mm -hmm. um and he died directly in front of it Mm -hmm. because because you know people but um yeah so it was it was delightful i don't usually like fiction i'm usually i usually just do documentaries and Mm -hmm and such but this was just so well written and it was well acted and it was just a damn delight it was. i like all it was just so good mm-hmm. um and i really like i like i thought all of the characters were interesting and they were all like full characters and it was and, all balanced so well. Like, even with the yeah. cameoed characters that weren't in, like, D- D- Tina Fey's character. Like, everything yeah. was so balanced. And yeah. it was like a cozy mystery come to life. It was just done. That is like exactly British- what my mom and I said yeah. when we were watching it. Um, I This was my one time to shine pop culture reference-wise. Mm-hmm. Because I knew every like every podcast that they were making reference to from <laughs> the um guys who grow plants in the city to um just like i listened to all of the podcasts that mm. they were talking about and i was like okay so this is referring to this and this is referring to that and generally speaking i'm just like i don't even know who that actor is like what yeah. I don't know. <laughs> cannot help you um but yeah so for once I was telling my mom what the pop culture references were, and that was kind of fun. And there was knitting. <laughs> yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, <laughs> there was knitting. Um, yeah, so 
it was it was fun and then we uh finished that and switched over to veronica mars because my mom's never seen that that's another good one yeah and good lord that show or the early 2000s were not great with (laughs) appropriate ages for dating people yeah no like 17 year old high school student don't date the 20 year old cop yeah don't no like no absolutely not for multiple reasons (laughs) yeah i mean unless you were already dating and they graduated like there there are contexts in which that isn't and a power dynamic in there that is just a wee bit cringy (laughs) i mean to be fair she was more powerful right i mean yeah but uh yeah so so we did that and um and then today i decided that i was going to make a, a one spell candle, and I did. I tried to take shortcut, oh, because I didn't want to make the mess that I was going to make. And I, of course, made three times the mess that I would have originally made by trying to take the shortcut. And so I, like that spell candle, is infused with me just laughing and shaking <laughs> my head at myself and being like, mm hmm. Mm-hmm, that, that lesson learned. Learn from your mistake. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like that's not a bad thing to infuse that a candle with. Like, like acceptance, rolling your eyes at yourself, and having a sense of humor about it. Yeah. Like, all right, that's that's fine. So, that, yeah, that's what I've been up to. That's good stuff. Good yeah. stuff indeed. Do you know what else is good stuff? Uh, our Patreon members? Yep. And uh-huh. right now, we'd like to take a quick break to thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over yes. on Patreon and give a totally normal and not at all creepy, but maybe confusing welcome to our newest member that I think I owe a huge apology to because she joined us at the end of January and I don't think I shouted her out with proper love. And if I have, then she gets extra. And if not, I am so, so sorry. Um, but that is Miss Fiona Searle joins us from across the pond. Why, hello, Fiona Searle. Is Fiona in the Facebook group? I you know? know that Fiona was sent. I know that Fiona was sent the link immediately. Like, I was on that. Um, I don't know. Oh, I was just going to say, um, well, let let her know that we have finally come to our senses. <laughs> Hi, oh my, my brain is not. You know, there. it was a this first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been it's been a doozy. It's been chaos. There's... Um yeah, I think we can blame me for anything that happened from the beginning of February to you getting covid. See, this was end of January, so it's still solid in mine. Either way, we're so glad to have you, and we totally yeah. appreciate you. Yep, we're we're having a <laughs> totally normal adult fluctuations in mental health. Actually, that's yes. what we're having, yes. and also physical health. Right. So, plus, uh, you know, war, plague, things like that. <laughs> yeah, my secret thing that i'm not talking about yet yes so much stuff 
it's not a book. I, well, there might be that too, but (laughs) it is not currently a book. Anyway, so yay. Hello. Thank you. (laughs) Very glad to have all of our lovely patrons. You are the best. Yes. And we would totally, totally go explore hidden old graveyards in the woods with you. Absolutely. And we'll bring a map because clearly our brains can't be trusted. Yeah. And I just got a whole book of old maps Ooh. of New England. Oh, fun. And if you want in on this fun, not mm. only will you get some really great surprises that are even steps further to being done, uh, but you'll get a huge <laughs> backlog of Patreon-only episodes, including next week, where we talk about some auction oddities and weirdness. Yes, our monthly scroll through the world of, huh, that's in someone's basement. Oh, yes. I found a doozy, too. Yeah. I I found an estate sale just labeled Picker's Delight. Ho, <laughs> mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, estate sales are my favorite. Yes. So. I uh, I stuck to what I'm good at. But shall we jump in to our topics so, um, yes, in- you know, we don't crash and burn? <laughs> yes, indeed you do. So <clears throat> I... Did you just Ned Flanders me? I did. I don't know why. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's because we're Midwestern. Right? <laughs> it's a Midwestern oh. in me. Um I love abandoned buildings. Love them. Love learning about the history behind the building. What happened that rendered it abandoned. Um, Just, and with... Yes, how did we get to here? Yes. With so many possibilities out there, we could probably do just like an entire podcast devoted just to them. Um, Oh my goodness, yeah. But yet, picking one was super easy for me. Um, Covering it, a little bit tricky. So I'm going to do my very best to stick to the structure itself though the controversy behind it uh it does have a great deal to do of why it remains vacant so today i am going to talk about the sycamore valley ranch which is better known as neverland ranch ah so the ranch itself is located about two and a half hours northwest of la on the edge of the Los Padres National Forest. Um, I don't think I actually knew where it was. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of close to like Solvain, which is an, oh. an adorably weird little town that we'll have to cover sometime. Um, okay. But it's at 5225 Figueroa Mount Road in Los Olivos, California. The ranch started, um, believe it or not, as part of a 48,000 acre um plot called Laguna Rancho, which was part of a Mexican land grant dating back to the early 1800s when Mm. the area had actually been under control of the Mexican government. Okay. So you fast forward 150 years and the land would then be in the hands of Robert Easton, who was part founder of Crocker Bank. He used this vast expanse of land mainly as a cattle ranch. Um, there were some warehouses and like a small factory on it, 
Robert also referred to a smaller area on it, um, like a smaller parcel of it that was mm-hmm. just under 2,600 acres as Zach. Oh, just under. Just under. As, Very small parcel. Zaka Ladaris Ranch. Um, in 1977, famous, then famous developer William Bone, who was known at the time for like the PGA West Resort in Palm Springs and a bunch of like fancy pants condo developments, mm-hmm. acquired the Zaka Ladaris Ranch from Easton's estate. So that's just that little. The little chunk there versus the giant one. Um, so the entire yeah. Santa uh, Inez Valley at that time was starting to become popular location for vineyards because the soil is like super rich and moist there, given like the proximity to like the water and stuff. Um, yeah. It was the many live oak and sycamore trees and the ranch's proximity to the California coast that caught William's eye and he renamed it Sycamore Valley Ranch with plans to construct a personal home for him and his family there. So he uprooted the family and they moved on to a small ranch on the property while William continued to research and develop his grandiose ideas for the future of this sprawling ranch. He turned over a 10-page wish list to lead architect Robert Elders, who William then spent more than two years with designing the final concept for the project. Uh, In the Hmm. end, the final plan was to construct a 12,500-square-foot Normandy-style home with several other structures and features, including elaborate gardens, a four-acre lake with a waterfall, a stone bridge, a clubhouse with a tennis court, and more. So the main house would boast six bedrooms and nine bathrooms, including this funky, like, two-story master suite with two baths attached to it in a private loft. Other, huh? yeah, That's weird. It is really weird. Um, it's in one of, like, the towery kind of things. Uh, yeah. Other rooms and amenities included a formal dining room, living room, kitchen, and breakfast room, staff quarters, a library, and a conference room. William also... Well, right, a conference room. Right? Because... Yeah. I mean, I guess a conference room is like the modern day equivalent of a ballroom. I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you'd know you're in big trouble if your dad called you the conference room. Uh, <laughs> William also recruited artisans and skilled craft people from all over the U.S. to work on this personal project. And construction was finally completed in 1982 with William taking great pride in how it all turned out. He stated... I achieved here all the things I wanted to do in my business, but could not. Now, at one point... Well, okay. At one point, given the construction of the clubhouse and the tennis court, he actually considered turning the property into a country club, but ultimately he decided against it, and then he listed it, which I would be kind of irritated if I was his family. Like, bring us out here, like, build this big old bougie place, and now we don't even get to live in it? As if. Mm-hmm. So, how did this... As if. <laughs> you know, oh, very it's... California of you. Right? <laughs> um, so, how did this become the infamous Neverland Ranch? I'm glad you asked. Um... <laughs> uh, I should have. How did it, Natalie? How? <laughs> 
So, uh, this part was really interesting because I had no idea. Like, I had, this was all pretty new to me. So, around this time, Michael Jackson was already fast becoming a pop icon. Uh, and mm-hmm. he was staying with Paul McCartney and his wife, Linda, in London while the oh. two were working on recording the song Say, Say, Say that he'd written for them. Oh, okay. So during the visit, they ended up talking financials, and Paul showed Michael a booklet of all the songs to which he owned the publishing rights to. Um, and by owning those publishing rights, it was a huge chunk helping them financially. This com- Oh, yeah. Paul McCartney was really good at collecting rights to songs. Right. So that conversation actually led to Michael a few years later purchasing ATV Music Publishing, who would emerge with Sony in 1995, uh, which mm. owned the rights to 251 Beatles songs. Huh. Well, after the recording was completed, uh, the two headed to the U.S. to film the music video for Say, Say, Say. The mm. California scenes were shot in Los Alamos, which is like 20 minutes from the Sycamore Valley Ranch, which happened to be where the McCartneys decided to stay while filming. Oh. Paul invited Michael to hang out on the newly constructed ranch. Michael quickly fell in love with it and expressed that someday he'd he'd, he'd love to own it. At the same time... Like you do. Like you do. Hey, Paul McCartney, I really like this place. <laughs> so, I'll live here someday. Yeah. Uh, so at the same time, Michael was in the middle of rebuild, like a complete rebuild of his of his Havenhurst house. Now, this is a father that, or this is a house that his father had purchased after they had briefly stayed in, like, hotels and then eventually rented a house in Beverly Hills um, mm-hmm. after the Jackson family moved there from Gary, Indiana, when Michael was around 11. Oh, I always forget they were from Gary. Yeah. The original house was fully demolished, and Michael constructed a brand new Tudor-style home for his family and divided the ownership between himself and his parents. Now, it's said that only, like, an architect can truly tell the difference between a Normandy style and a Tudor style because they're that, so they're that similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only difference is that a Tudor has a visible gable in the front, but I could be wrong on that. Um, Any who's a obviously, hmm. Tudor style, Norman style, you can see the comparison between the two I homes. mean, aren't they French versus... English? Yeah, but it's but when you look at it, like when you look at them, they're oh, so okay. they're so similar in style. They are really similar. Yeah. Um so the now the rebuilt Havenhurst house, which this little bit's important too, had several Disney inspired elements. Uh and housed hmm. Michael's menagerie on a one acre property. So he already had a few animals and Kind of that if you Disney- have a menagerie, I feel like you have some explaining to do. Right, uh, it was pretty much it's it was pretty much the model for what's going to end up becoming his dream home. So timeline check in: Say 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 was released in 1983. Um, now Michael was off being Michael for a while, and by 1988, Sycamore Valley Ranch had been on the market for several years. With an asking price of $32 million. Official numbers cannot be confirmed. And I'm talking like some places listed as him paying $18 million. Others saying just slightly less than what the asking price was. 
Um, that's a lot. That's a big range in difference. So we're just going to go, like, it's generally believed that he paid slightly less than the asking price when purchasing it. Uh, but he purchased it originally through a trust with his lawyer, John Branca, and his accountant, Marshall Gelfand, acting as trustees to protect Jackson's privacy until mm, April yeah. of 1988. And then Jackson became the sole owner, and that's when he renamed the ranch to Neverland Ranch. After the fantasy island of Peter Pan, a place where tomorrow never comes. Mm. So work began immediately to turn the property into Jackson's vision. There were surprisingly only very slight alterations done to the main house itself. uh, Like adding Jackson's personal touches, basically arts and all that, like art and collectibles and stuff. Yeah. Because the house came fully furnished and he just kept all the furniture and everything the same. Um, which is so, it's a very weird combination of things. Um, when you look at photos, it's a little head scratching. (laughs) Now it's clear and Michael confirms on record that the fact he spent his childhood traveling and in the recording studio, that the ideas for both Havenhurst house and Neverland were to create a fantasy world for the ideal childhood that he didn't have. Though later, there will be many that believe the goal was otherwise. So Michael spent roughly $35 million additionally to bring the fantasy into reality by constructing a bigger zoo for a bigger menagerie. It's not even a menagerie at this point. He had elephants, giraffes, chimpanzees, crocodiles, bears, llamas, snakes, a reptile house, and at one point exotic birds, but they didn't last long because apparently they're extremely noisy during mating season. (laughs) 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 Which, okay. He also. that that was the problem I was expecting. Right? He also added a 50-seat theater house and a small theme park with a series of carnival rides. Now, I, I, I would say it's, it's a little bit bigger than small. The part that took almost a decade, the park took almost a decade to fully reach the, uh, the level that many remember it as when Jackson had purchased, like, with Jackson purchasing 18 rides right. between 1990 and 1997. 18 rides is bigger than a small theme park, I think. Um, one of those rides was the octopus, which was a personal favorite of mine as a kid. Um, and all of this... Oh, I'm nauseous just thinking about it. (laughs) All of this was surrounded by a railroad that would carry you to various parts of the property that began and ended at the Catherine train station, which was named after his mother. The train station is actually the building that is most pictured for the ranch, Although, oh. I didn't know that. I thought that was the frickin' house. But it isn't. It's the, that's the train station. Um, huh. The station itself is pretty much decorative. It has a couple of rooms in it. Um, but the floral clock in front of it is iconic. And then it says Neverland and Flowers in the front. And Yeah. So, by 2000, whoa, 2000? Is that right? I may be wrong on that. It's got to be wrong. No, that's right. 2000. By 2000, Neverland Ranch reached its final form. So it finally was done. Um, and at this point, it also boasted an arcade full of all kinds of video and arcade style games. Uh, Michael's immense art collection was now fully displayed throughout. There was three guest houses set up in a traditional hotel style with numbered rooms. 
He literally had a small blockbuster video library filled with movies that guests could check out to view. The amusement park was now complete with not only the rides, but also a super slide, a bumper car house, a carousel, and an iconic Ferris wheel. The ranch now featured 22 main structures and an annual cost of between five and six million dollars to operate, not including the payroll for the 120 full-time staff. Good Lord. But Natalie, I thought this was about abandoned stuff, not lifestyles of the rich and famous. I know, I know. I've got you, because this is where shit starts to nosedive. Um, so Neverland was a huge attraction for Michael's friends who would visit and stay, and there was groups like of, of underserved children that got to visit and experience the animals and the rides. Michael also hosted a lot of children privately as well. And this would end up leading to criminal charges being filed against him for multiple counts of child molestation after a documentary had been released showing Jackson holding hands with a minor and discussing sleeping with the boy at Neverland Ranch. Oh, boy. It was like an interview done with him. And I've watched it. And I've watched it at different points in my life. Um and I think I feel differently about it now than I did then, but it's still, it creeps me out for lack of a better mm-hmm. way of phrasing it. So it became a central yeah. part of the investigation. And on the morning of November 20th, 2003, the Santa Barbara Sheriff's Department showed up with a search warrant after a preliminary investigation was done by the LA Department of Child and Family Services. Uh, he was in Vegas shooting a video at the time. 70 officers entered and sieged boxes and boxes of items, including 16 computer hard drives. Yep. Now, Jackson was acquitted of all charges on June 15th, 2005. However, he stated that he would never live at the property again and could no longer consider the ranch a home due to the invasion of the police officers violating the property. And he oh, did not return right. to Neverland ever again. Um, him and his family... That's interesting. Yeah, him and his family moved to Bahrain. I don't think I knew that either. Yeah. So I remember the moment that I became interested in Neverland Ranch, really. Um, and I had stumbled across a site online where these three guys had basically wandered on and actually entered the house and took photos and um and i tried so hard to find the website that had originally i mean this is back in like 2007 and they had gone back a couple more times their site with the photos and their story of it is down but there's an article on vice.com that when they interviewed them um, I've got that linked. And then I found two, they're no longer anonymous anymore because they, they've they like released some of the photos, but not all of them. In fact, none of the photos from the inside of the house were, they were all left off when they took the site down. And I think that was out of respect for the fact that they were like, we don't usually go inside houses. Like that's not, this is not a normal thing for us to have done. Um, and I think that when 
you know, spoiler alert, Michael Jackson passed away. Um, I think that they felt some kind of way about that. But I remember distinctly that there was like piles of change on the coffee tables. There was food, even though there was no electricity at that point, at the point that they entered, I think the electric had been cut off. Um, Mm -hmm. But there was uh, just like food in the fridge. There was, I mean, it was literally like, they just up and abandoned. Um, So, uh, yeah. Uh, So him and his family went to the Bahrain during and around the time of the trial. uh, Rumors of Jackson having financial difficulty emerged. By April of 2006, Jackson was reported to be nearly 300 million in debt due to his lifestyle as he was now spending over $2 million a month, which Ow. I, I, right? I cannot fathom. I cannot in, no. Um, in, I mean, unless you're like buying a new house every month. Right? In 2006, the Neverland Ranch closed officially and most of the staff were dismissed. With a spokesperson stating that this was the reflection of the fact that the Jacksons, that Jackson was no longer living there it is also said that he owed more than 169000 in back wages to the staff at the time of the closure. That's uh, less than I would think, though. Right, right. I mean, like, it seems, it's weird because I've seen... That's probably, like, a pay period. Right. Because um, they're, it, what, 100 like full-time staff? Yeah, 120, I think. Um, and it's interesting because... Uh, when I was going through all of this, there's there is a couple of people that work for him that have come forward in the allegation areas. Um, very recently, within the last, I think, year, a new documentary came out with two um, gentlemen who were boys at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's hard. It's hard to watch and listen to. Um, mm mm-hmm. But it's interesting to hear how he was in his employer. I actually, when I was poking around researching, uh, I ended up finding uh, up on eBay a handwritten note from him to one of this, like, assistant, like, his staff people. It was the cleaning lady in, like, 1985 where he's scolding her for not putting something away properly. <laughs> like, it, just really interesting thing. So... Again, financial. Um, and at this time, I didn't put it in here, um, but I know there was another, there was, a, there was a second round of allegations and a second court hearing, I believe. Um, but I kept that out. Uh, but the finances clearly played a part of, um, of why it was closed. Uh, Bank of America sold all of the loans that they had from Michael to Fortress Investments, an investment company that buys distressed loans. Part of Jackson's stake in the music catalogs that he owned the rights to were used as collateral for the new loan repayment agreement with Fortress Investments. And there was a long roller coaster of almost foreclosures that managed to be stopped just in time that actually Mm. continued up to Jackson's death on June 25th, 2009. Um, after he, after he passed away, many speculated about the, uh, the use of the property. Uh, his family wanted 
to bury him there. Um, there is some rumors that his ashes were actually sprinkled there, but he's at, but he's in turn, I don't know, at a, one of the fancy pants, like, Hollywood um, forever or something? Pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. so there's not a real definite on that. Um, at one point in 2013, Lady Gaga announced that she was willing to help Michael's children financially to be able to keep the property. Um, That's weird and it, random. It, right? Um, and there is, you know, everybody wants to turn it into a Graceland. Um, no. Right. Uh, Well, I guess Elvis was also kind of a problematic guy. Right. Not quite as problematic, but problematic. Uh, And there was... uh, At least he was problematic with adults, not kids. Right, right, right. Um, So, the... um, In May of 2015, the ranch was officially returned to its original name of Sycamore Valley Ranch... Uh, in May of 2016, it was put up for sale by Sotheby's for $100 million. Uh, $100 million. Time Magazine stated that the owners were seeking a buyer who did not want to turn it into the Michael Jackson version of Graceland. Uh, by February of 2017, the asking price fell to $67 million. By February of 2019, it was reduced again to $31 million. Now, at this point... Um, Wait, I what pro- year did it go up for sale? Because he died in 2009, right? Right. It's been... It's weird. It's hard to... It's been up and down so many times. But I think that it was... Two thousand sixteen is when Sotheby's officially oh, okay. put it up. Um, that was the year I was looking for. I was trying to figure out since two thousand nine was a not ideal economic time. Um, right. I was wondering if yeah. So, but it wasn't during that. So never mind. So, at the at this point. Uh, Obviously, all the animals were rehomed. Um, all of the the park equipment was sold off. Uh, you can see photos of it. Uh, we'll have like a, this was you know previously housed at Neverland Ranch. There's in Santa Barbara this summer. They're doing a a thing where they've got a reunion of a bunch of the rides together for an event. Mm. Um, but it had been, like, a lot of it had been stripped down to that point. Now, in December of 2020, billionaire Ron Burkle, who was former family friend of Jackson, purchased the property for $22 million, which is a little bit heartbreaking, (laughs) considering the, um, that just stripped bare, you know, just the just the minimum of it before he built it up it was you know yeah. over 35 million and that stuff's supposed to appreciate not depreciate um right while there's been reported activity on the property it's unknown what the true fate activity? of it is going to be activity yeah <laughs> like aliens uh, <laughs> activity like ghosts uh, or activity like, like people 
Uh, well, uh, a little bit of both. Uh, so, huh. like, the, the activity I'm speaking of is, uh, like, repaving of roads. Um, everything's super secret. Somebody swears they saw um, some rides returning. It's it's real hush-hush. Um, but there are several stories. I think they saw flying saucers landing. It's possible. Uh, there's several stories of, and there's even like a couple, you know, cheesy YouTube videos that show the alleged ghost of Michael Jackson sneaks knocking around the property because there was a time period in there after he passed away and it was kind of de-neverlandified um, where it looked right. like people were using it for um, like retreats for like business retreats. The theater part of it was used for some stuff. Um and when it was up for sale, you could look at it, you know, and you could you look at it, look at it online and tour it and stuff. Obviously, again, not a touch of Michael in any of those because they had completely stripped everything out of it and tried to return it back to what it was beforehand. But mm-hmm. so there's, you know, there's people claiming they saw and felt things while touring it. Um, and but for the most part, I mean, that that is a long that's. That's a, a long time for the property to have remained abandoned. Because while he passed away in 2009, it was essentially ba- abandoned way back in 2006-ish. Um, and that was... Uh, so the the guys that I mentioned before that... Uh, that went... Oh, they took several trips. And it was between December of 2007 and March of 2008. So the property yeah. was closed. Everything inside at that time still remained intact as it was when Jackson left. Um, hmm. Nothing was touched, I think, in removal of it from there until after Michael actually passed away. Um, and the inside of the main house is fascinating to me for like so many reasons after looking at just hundreds of photos there is this yeah. just odd, but yet n- normal, but weird tackiness about the house. <laughs> like, because it was There's so... a lot of that with over-the-top sort of celebrity mansions when well, people aren't connected to reality. Right. I mean, like, everything. So you can tell that the furniture and the like, wallpaper, all the decor, the lighting, all of that stuff, you can tell... Was original yeah. with the house, but then you know there was like uh, apparently he had like different gaming systems located throughout the house where like kids could stop and play like like the when you ever visit you visit Target or something they have they have in the electric yeah. apartment you could play out the games and stuff like that or they'd be just like all this art I swear that man kept anything that was like fan drawn or created for him and one That's of the kind f- of sweet. It is kind of sweet. Hopefully sweet. I'm hoping it's from sweet, but... It, well, I mean, it's just that... Is it sweet or is it narcissistic? Like, it's... It's that... It's a weird it's thing. It's really hard to tell with someone who you know has a background of being abused. Right. Right. Being abused. And, and also and, probably being an abuser. Right. I mean, there's... There's undoubtedly... There... There's a sad... There's a sadness. There just really is a sadness. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so much juvenile things and then contradicting like all this weird art and stuff. 
Now, there were boxes of legal pornography that was removed from Netherland when they brought in, when they came in and raided. Um, and you just, you fit all these images. And like, oh, and one of the cabinets was when they went in, was just filled with grape soda. Just grape soda. Cans and cans and cans of grape soda. One of them drank a grape soda. Huh. Um, but you add all these elements together and it really is just odd. Just odd to have this like formal Tudor style stuff mixed with like, I mean, I think there's like a statue of, or there's a painting of him in like armor and just, just huge, huge paintings. And then also all this kid stuff just, and then knowing there was actual porn in there too, which again, it was legal porn, but you add that in the mix. It's just a whole nother level of what? Um, yeah. So, uh, Nothing, nothing inside of it was like meticulously curated in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I'm looking at the photos from the link that you posted now and I'm so confused. <laughs> right. So that, that in a nutshell is pretty much the story of Neverland Ranch. Um, from an abandoned and how the building came about standpoint. Um, and we yeah. could go deeper into many other things, but, uh, I am a little yeah, bit sad that, that it's not the thing that we are currently doing. Right. Um, but when you look at the arcades, awesome. Um, arcade is amazing. The blockbuster video, mm -hmm. there's, I, there's a video, excuse me, that I've attached to, or I put the link in for, that is a pretty mm -hmm. thorough tour of inside when it was still my like when Michael still inhabited it um mm -hmm. and then I can't even begin to imagine where all of that stuff has gone I know that um sadly another it's thing gotta be that, like in a storage facility somewhere I don't well and I'm sure some of it went up for auction um I'm sure that the family has retained some it's sad because uh, his iconic white secret glove yeah. um, originally sold for like $300,000. And that was when he was still alive. It just went up for auction again last month and only went for 123000 Really? So, yeah. So wow. it's it's weird. It's almost like everything connected to Michael has like depreciated um and it's weird it's that yeah that if you look at the artist versus what he's done and it's it's such a weird thing and I think no more probably about the weirdest like intersection of of things um when it comes to Michael because you can tell like through the various change of appearance and such that mm -hmm. there is, there's issues there to begin with. He did not have, he did not have a good childhood. I mean, that was no, very public record. Um, and he was thrust forth in a position at a young age to provide for his family and to be the rock star and the pop star. And, you know, and yeah, there is, 
there is no doubt in my mind that at some point there was nothing but innocence in the goal of Neverland. Like, yeah, that there it wasn't I, a giant nefarious plot to begin with. Um, that I, is my impression too. I, I do think that he is a predator. Yeah, but I do not think that the idea and the reasoning behind creating this. I think that was for him mm-hmm. like his inner child right i don't think that it was predatory to begin with yes exactly yeah i i agree that's uh, it's everything about him and everything he touched is just so sad and complicated and painful and so many people were hurt yes and and he was also hurt right oh yeah just fuck his dad yes there we go that that i can say very solidly (laughs) fuck his dad also Dude, you built a blockbuster and an arcade in a movie theater. Like, I would, <laughs> I would have really wanted to stay there. <laughs> like, I mean, it, yeah, and all the. Animals, I mean, it's awesome. It's amazing. Like, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. I am sad. It couldn't have been kept and turned around and turned into what it was attention. Like, you know what I mean? Like, turned into a place where at some point I think the state of California was looking at purchasing it. Um, mm-hmm. but that fell through. I, I think it's, it just got to be so tainted. Yeah. That... I wonder if the energy would have been, I, I'm not sure that, mm-hmm. I guess it depends on, I, I don't know that it would have felt good in there. Very true. No matter what you did. Yeah. Although if you realized the original intention the like intention going in that probably wasn't originally predatory right that might be a good thing i don't know it's complicated or even if they took down the house and rebuilt like a a different lodging there but still had the rides and the park in the you know and the animals for you know kids to come in and and experience that you know, and the theater and the, you yeah, know. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think that would probably be different because It's an entertainment complex. It is. And like, like everything. You could replace it with a hotel. Right. Everything that is tarnished is attached to the house. So I think if you yep. got rid of that and put different, yeah, a hotel or whatever there and kept everything else intact, it, it could be turned around um, and, and put to good use. And who knows? Maybe that's what this guy is going to do. Because, I mean, he's, he invests, he's an investor, he's looking to make money, and he's not going to make money off that unless he does something with it. And no one, no one's just going to come visit it just because it was once Neverland Ranch and doesn't resemble it in any way, shape, or form anymore, you know? No, I mean, I'd go visit and look for the mm, creepy factor um 
Oh, there was, I mean, there was a story where because people would try to like put drones in there, like fly drones in to take photos, and somebody like flew their drone in and managed to because they did have security guards there, not many for a vast amount of land, and the right. guys never took any photos of the um, the animals in the zoo part because it was so far on the other yeah. side of the property and it's not like they could hop on the train. Um, yeah, I was going to ask if so, the animals were taken care but, of. But they, they were. They were taken care of up until um, they were sold off to or transferred That's- to someplace. But one of the security guards shot a drone down <laughs> with a taser gun. <laughs> fun right like that's an interesting little tidbit um i can't imagine being like i mean it just sounds like can you imagine excuse me the amount of practice that you would have to have with a taser to be able to shoot a drone out of the air with it well and i'm sure the person with the drone probably was not expecting you know what i mean like it it, i don't i mean you'd almost just have to be like okay fair enough (laughs) you win this round (laughs) yep so Hmm. So that is the Neverland Ranch, who, again, it's bought, but it still remains abandoned. <clears throat> well, all right. I don't know why I'm staring off into the <laughs> It was there a little was rough. No a little heavy. Yeah, well, it is a little heavy. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you a story about another abandoned place well actually two of them one from my actual childhood Mm -hmm. and then the one that is like the er version of the one from my childhood um so i'm gonna tell you about some notorious 1980s water parks um yeah (laughs) so the one that I grew up going to is called Slide Away. Slide away. Um, <laughs> or was called Slide hyphen A slyphen slyphen hyphen away. Um, and it, it well I, you know those places of your childhood that you have, like, sense memories of? Mm-hmm. Like, if you feel a texture or smell something, mm-hmm. like, the entire experience comes back? I can remember the way the stupid rubber mats, oh. or not rubber, foam mats, that you we were supposed to to ride down the water slides and I can remember how they smell and I can remember (laughs) the difference between like the new good ones and the old ones and like just oh this this place and I I want to preface this by saying I loved this place (laughs) when I was a kid and my um my dad would take me there on the weekends pretty often and it was the kind of 1980s place like that just wouldn't be allowed to exist today yep 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 um 
so it had water slides constructed entirely of concrete. <laughs> um, I they were painted blue, <laughs> and I think they were painted with um oh whatever the uh, the nautical paint is that is made to have water on it like what boats are painted with um and so it was kind of slippery but it was also concrete and so i mean you know it gets a little rough the paint wears away because a million different kids have slid down it on these foam rubber mats that are just casually getting shredded on the bottom by the slides and oh it was it's a lawsuit waiting it it was (laughs) a nightmare of yuck but the thing that i remember most is the bottom of the main water slide area and you know how um Oh, what is it? Uh, like popcorn ceilings? Oh yeah. The uh, the texture. Oh, that on the. Why would you ever do that? Um, they did that, but with concrete to make it non-slip. Except it was just sharp. So when you came off that water slide, you would hit the bottom, and then. If you didn't get your feet under you right away, you would just skin all of you until you stopped. Yes, yes, just scraping up your legs. And even if you got your feet under you, you would probably also uh, scratch up your feet. Um, I can, I can. Nobody cared. Already picture what the butt end of the swimsuits look like. Like how they. I absolutely lost my. (laughs) I hadn't remembered this at all until just now. I absolutely lost my swimsuit once. Oh no! (laughs) When I hit the um the bottom of that pool. Oh no! I remember standing up, and being like. (gasps) (laughs) Oh no! Oh my goodness. <clears throat> and I also, because, you know, they, they, nobody was actually paying attention to anybody in in the 80s. So it was also one of those places where they didn't really stagger the people coming down. Oh, so you could get pileups at the end. <laughs> and I got knocked down oh. and held underwater and hit my head on the um on the concrete on the bottom and I remember like once getting up and being like well can't tell my dad that happened otherwise we're gonna have to go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh the 80s <laughs> yeah just pretending like it's fine it's, it's fine, fine. Chlorine yep. and so <laughs> yeah and, and so i was looking into slide away because i was researching action park 
which is the notorious <laughs> New Jersey water park that is the be all end all of bad eighties ideas. Yes. And um there's a documentary about it called Class Action Park. Nice. And Yep. So I was thinking, you know, I wonder I wonder if there were like reports of injuries and if there were lawsuits about slide away. And so I started digging into it and I can't find any record of anything having gone wrong there, even though I know <laughs> that like I, I absolutely left bloody <laughs> every time. Yeah, so I, I don't even know. Um, so I was looking just for any information on the history of this place, and I found I found out that the person who owned it and started the company was from my hometown. Oh. And I found his obituary from the family funeral home oh. in my hometown. And it just sort of mentions, like, it It talks about, you know, him. Uh, his name was Wendell O. Burkett. And he died in 2010. And it talks about, you know, marrying his wife and him being a lifelong resident and working at the paper company because mm -hmm. um, I grew up on the Kalamazoo River where there are paper companies yeah. all the way down it. Well, we've got and... like a banana up on the top there. We've got it too. Yeah, it's it ain't good for the Stinky. river. Stinky. But um, yeah, it's gross. But anyway, so I guess he he did that. And then it casually mentions that he also owned and operated Slide Away Water Slide on D Avenue for 12 years. And then, just skips right over anything else, in his leisure time he enjoyed fishing, boating, watching sports, especially the Pistons and Lions, playing cards, fixing things, gospel music, and above all else, he loved spending time with his family. Okay. So, like, this massive part of my childhood <laughs> is a sentence. Is summed up as, like, one sentence of history in this dude's obituary with zero additional context. So, I mean, I know it's not open anymore. So, I went digging on YouTube. Mm hmm. And it turns out that because there are an awful lot of people my age on the Facebook, I could, in fact, find a bunch of different threads of people talking about their oh, childhoods fun. spent at Slideaway. And it came up because someone filmed a drone flyover of the abandoned water park. Mm -hmm. And 
I have to say, if I didn't know what it was, I would not recognize it. Uh, um, because overgrown? mostly what is... Yeah. And, um, like, it was one of those 80s amalgamations of water park arcade go-karts mm. mini golf. Putt-putt. <laughs> yep. Like, all of the things. Yep. And, oh, I am just having one million sense memories <laughs> of, like, flashes of my childhood spent in all of these weird, very, very 80s bad idea Hot places. dogs, chips, and a soda um, for lunch. <laughs> kind of for a dollar. Yep. <laughs> No, nachos, nachos every time. Yep, that was that was my lunch of choice. Um, nachos and French fries. But yeah, so the drone flyover, and I I've um, added the YouTube video to the show notes, is interesting. The only thing that you can still see is the go kart track, oh. and. That is clearly what that is, but just none of the rest of it is there anymore. So weird. And there's no, like, it was concrete motherfucking slides. Right. Like, where, where did that go? I, yeah, I don't know. It, it's baffling to me. I mean... Those are the kinds of things that generally just stick around and fall apart. Yeah. But... Grow moss yeah, and stuff. Uh, so the... Yeah. So the building, like the sort of indoor part of it, is still there. And the go-kart track, and that is it. Wow. Which is strange to me. So... I was trying to look around to confirm that I actually remembered all of this properly. And then I came across the uh, 1992, so it was still open in 1992, um, commercial (laughs) for Slide Away that was, and I don't, I don't know if I mentioned where this is. I probably should have much earlier. Um, it, it It's in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, but it's not actually in Kalamazoo. It's in Alamo, which is right next to Kalamazoo. But all of the things that I remember about this place are absolutely in this place. Like, 30-second commercial from 1992. And what were we thinking? Right. Like, holy shit. And so, when I was looking through, like, the Facebook comments from all of these people, it's a bunch of names that I recognize (laughs) all talking about their misadventures uh, and apparently, there's an auto shop across the street, and, like, people have been looking into it. Like, local people are like, 
what happened here? Yeah. Like, um, and, you know, some guys at the auto shop across the street said they were torn out like 10 years ago and the slides and stuff. And then there were a bunch of people being like, oh, yeah, I, I used to work there. I loved going there. Um, my father-in-law was the owner. Uh. And then, then a bunch of people were like, so, <laughs> what happened? And they didn't respond. <gasps> no! <laughs> and if you're gonna... So it's just like this... If you're gonna ante that up, you need to follow back up. <laughs> I know! Um, like, here's one of the quotes. Uh, oh, an uncle was also mentioned. And just nobody... I'm surprised nobody's bought that land. Well, they, it, I think it's now part of the parks department oh, because okay. that's how I sort of figured out when it stopped existing. Ah. Um, so it, this quote pretty much sums up my entire childhood summer memories mm-hmm. as are related to Slide Away, which is... Scraped up my knuckles every time, but still had a ball when I went. <laughs> and that is someone named Scott Stevens from the general vicinity of where I grew up. But, like, what, it, what in the world? <laughs> we had, well, we have a lovely tourist trap town, Wisconsin Dells here. And one of the, I think it's, at one point, it was the allegedly largest water park in the nation, um, but it started out pretty, <laughs> pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, and so what made me go down this particular rabbit hole is the whole, um, the documentary called Class Action Park about Action Park, which seems to be... It blows Slide Away out of the water as far as safety is concerned. I mean, Slide Away was almost entirely staffed by teenagers <laughs> who were not were interested in eating snow cones and flirting. Right. They were not interested in you falling off the mat and scraping your face. Oh, um snow like they didn't care about that. I want a snow cone now. Me too. I want a half purple, half blue yep. snow cone. Absolutely. Right now. I could also add cherry. If I could have three flavors, red, purple, blue, yep. that's fine. Yep. Anyway. So, Action Park in New Jersey, way worse. <laughs> oh, God. Also, almost entirely staffed by teenagers. Yes. There were technically lifeguards there, but it wasn't classified as an amusement park or a ride. It was classified as a pool, so it only had to follow the rules of being a pool. So that was having a certain amount of lifeguards there. There were literally EMTs 
on standby and ambulances parked there because people got hurt so frequently like they if if i remember correctly it's been a little while since i watched the documentary um but i think they ended up because the local emts were having to respond so often i think action park ended up having to pay for like extra shifts or something like out of control and i mean i'm gonna be honest it looks really cool (laughs) i would totally have gone there and it was a a terrible idea so um and also there exists both the documentary class action park and plenty of commercials on youtube oh i am for sure watching that documentary yeah so the difference between my hometown bad idea and this bad idea is that action park has a body count oh shit (laughs) wow yeah like it isn't just that they casually had EMTs chilling, just God. waiting for something bad to happen. They they had fatalities. Oof. They have... Uh, six people are known to have died directly or indirectly from rides at Action Park. Oof. That's a lot. Yep. It is. It, it's plenty. It's definitely, definitely plenty. So, um, Action Park opened in 1978 and uh, its history is complicated it closed in 1996 at the end of the season like on labor day weekend 1996 and then it reopened but under a different name from 1998 to 2013 oh, and then it decided that i don't know it, it it is not open currently i believe that it closed closed for good after changing its name back to action park and then maybe also to something else again like it bounced back and forth because you know the notoriety of the name (laughs) people (laughs) um so they tried to when they tried to rebrand they realized that people were coming because action park was ridiculous (laughs) and if it's not action park then nobody knows that that is that ridiculous place and so, as far as I know, it closed for good in May of 2016. That is significantly um, longer running than I anticipated. Yeah. Their slogan, well, it's in New Jersey. Yeah, Jersey. Yeah. Uh, the, their slogan is, where you're the center of the action, there's nothing in the world like Action Park. <laughs> It was 250 acres. Oh, 
That's huge. Yep. Uh, it was one of the first modern American water parks. So it, I, it predated the one that I grew up with by probably mm, not quite a decade, but it, uh, I guess, I don't know, five or six years, but it definitely was a pioneer in its field. Let's just put it there. Um, the Wikipedia page describes it like this. Action Park featured three separate attraction areas, the Alpine Center, Motor World, and Water World. The latter was one of the first modern American water parks. Many of its attractions were unique, attracting thrill-seekers from across the New York metropolitan area. Action Park's popularity went hand-in-hand hand with a reputation for poorly designed rides, <laughs> under-trained and underaged staff, intoxicated guests and staff, and consequently poor safety record. At least six people are known to have died as a result of mishaps on rides at the park, and it was given nicknames such as Traction Park, or Accident Park, or Class Action Park, or Friction Park. Friction Park resonates yeah. with me. Um, ouch. So, for reasons that are kind of unclear... New Jersey just seemed to look in the other direction. Like, they knew it was happening, but state regulators were just like, nah, even though the park itself had a history of violations, and there was, you know, some sketchy financial dealings because it wasn't quite solvent most I of the time. There were illegal schemes, indictments of <laughs> executives. Um, the founder, James, or Gene Mulville, pled guilty to some charges. There were personal injury lawsuits. You know, just New Jersey things. Just Jersey things. Jersey stuff. Yep. Yes. And I will say that it is my duty as someone who lives in Brooklyn, who can see New Jersey <laughs> from, well, the promenade at the end of my street to make fun of New Jersey. It's, it's a requirement. I signed a contract. It's part of your lease. Oh, yeah. Like, it just is. So, I'm sorry, people from New Jersey, but I'm not that You're sorry. contractually obligated. Yes. Um, so, there were a lot of questionable life choices made. A lot of them. But, the thing is, you know how when you think about action parks and theme parks and, like, 
any sort of amusement park, broadly. You imagine that there is somebody smarter than you who has designed the thing that looks dangerous, but they've thought it through. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to hurt you because they uh, figured out how much force an object moving at a certain speed going around a curve was going to put on metal structures. That's what you would think. Things like that. Yeah, that was not the case here. Um, They basically just made things up and built them. That's not wise. (laughs) That's not how that should work. No. Um, So... Action Park was most popular and most successful in the mid-1980s. And at that time, most of the rides there that were just kind of made up were still operating. Um, In 1982, two guests died at the park within a week of each other. Whoops. Um, And that led to the permanent closure of one ride. And it only took two days. That didn't, yeah, that didn't really deter anyone. And then two more people died the summer of 1984. And then some lawsuits started. The state investigated. It was found out that, um, there was some. Ooh, Biggie Bear. (laughs) There's some. Light insurance fraud happening because nobody would insure the park, so they ju- they made up an insurance company. Oh shit! Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. Wow. But it didn't really matter because people still wanted to go, and so. There were about a million visitors per year. Damn. That went to the park. And according to the numbers on Wikipedia, as many as 12,000 people came through on some of the busiest weekends of the season. So, like, that allowed the heads of the park to be like yeah yeah but the injury and death rate they're statistically insignificant given the sheer number of people going through biggie stop it (laughs) wow wow (laughs) yep so i I, I, now I've been distracted by it. I mean, I guess they can cut their losses then. I mean, they're just like, well, if we have to pay out this, it's nothing compared to what we're pulling in. Yeah. But if you ask the directory of the emergency room that was at the closest hospital <laughs> to Action Park, they reported that they treated from five to ten victims of 
Really? They... <laughs> Biggie be talking back tonight. <laughs> Just gonna try to get through this. All right. So, um, the emergency room reported treating from anywhere from five to ten victims of park accidents on the busiest days. Jesus. <laughs> if anyone is new to the podcast. <laughs> I have a hangry diabetic cat who is gigantic and has also a very large voice. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just mad about dinner. Yeah, so. All right. I'm going to have to pause and feed the cat, I think. Yeah, I think so. Biggie has spoken. <laughs> Sorry about that. There was going to be cat chaos I, if I did not I bow to Mr. Big Stuff's will. All right. So, going back to uh, the injuries that were supposed to be statistically insignificant. Yes. Which, I mean, to be fair, they probably were, like, the major injuries, but I'm pretty sure that almost everyone who went probably skinned something. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> that, that's just, yeah. just my thought. So the director of the emergency room that's closest to Action Park um, said that they treated from 5 to 10 victims of park accidents per day on some of the busiest days. And that the park eventually bought the township extra ambulances to keep up with the volume. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't uh, laugh, yeah. but... <laughs> but... I mean, it, it, it's just true. It's absurd. Um, yeah. So Action Park is a bad idea. Broadly. Right. But let me tell you about some of the rides. Ooh, yes. Let's see. So this was more than just a water park. Like, there were other rides? Yes. It, but the part of it that is most notorious is the water-related things. Okay. As far as I understand. Like, that is the most of, of what I have read about and heard information about. So, this is a very bad idea. <laughs> this ride. I know I've said that a lot of times, but it just... It bears repeating. Really, really is. Um... There's a ride called the Cannonball Loop. Oh. 
and it was built in 1983 and it was an enclosed water slide which is not very weird like if if you were a kid in the 80s and 90s you have absolutely gone through water slide tubes oh yeah like it it just they were everywhere i don't know if they're still everywhere but um they definitely existed widely then we have a resort Um, in the dells here that they have a swimming area in the resort they have a water slide that's a tube like that that goes out of the building and then back into the building that always just seems cold (laughs) yes but yeah there's um a place in michigan called great wolf lodge that also Mm, yeah we had a great wolf here for a while i think yeah, I don't think the one in Michigan's open anymore either. But um who knows? Maybe they had some action park like <laughs> drama. Alright, so the cannonball loop. This is the most notorious ride there. It <sighs> Okay, so Somebody thought it was a good idea to build a complete vertical loop at the end of this slide. So, like, a roller coaster loop. Like, all the way around. Like, upside down. Oh, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. Upside down with water? That's not good. Uh That in lungs. (laughs) No. All right. Yep. So, it was basically a an extremely, extremely steep water slide with a roller coaster loop at the end. Jeez. And you got to it by climbing, you know, like those wooden deck stairs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were couple stories of that that you had to climb with well actually i don't think that you went down with a mat on that i think it was just your body um so the resulting ride of this very very steep slide with the loop at the end was called the cannonball loop and employees at the time have reported that they were offered a hundred dollars which is um or last year it was equivalent to 241 i don't know what it is in 2021 but um just to test it what they were giving hundred dollar bills (laughs) to their teenage staff go see if this works to see if this water slide no. worked. Um, They're like, that's a new Swatch watch. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And someone named Fergus, oh. who has described himself as, quote, one of the idiots <laughs> who took the offer, oh, said Fergus. $100 did not buy enough booze to drown out that memory. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... The slide was only open for 
a month in 1985 before it was closed uh, at the order of the state's advisory board on carnival amusement ride safety. So I guess they noticed that there were rides, um, which was a really unusual thing for them to do at the time. Um, And a local newspaper at that time reported that there were too many bloody noses and back injuries from riders and that some of the earliest riders came back with lacerations on their bodies um i just saw a picture and then yeah when the ride was closed um so they could figure out how people were getting uh lacerations they found teeth that had fallen out when people had hit their faces oh god they were lodged in the interior walls I am looking at this thing, and there's no way in... There's no... There's... No. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, Like, when I say it's a bad idea, it really, really is a bad idea. So, you know, bloody noses, back injuries, teeth embedded in the walls. Oh, my God. That's like a horror movie. Yep. Um, a former Navy physician found that riders were experiencing as much as nine G's when they went through the loop. That sounds like a lot. That's, <laughs> it's, it's significant. I don't know my G's all um, that well, but that sounds like a lot of G's. <laughs> yeah. And there were, at the time, rumors that circulated pretty widely that some of the test dummies that they had made and sent down before they had actual people test it came back decapitated. And they're like, well, just try yeah. another one. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It, mm, it, it just... It seems like it was just questionable choices all around. All around. Um, so, Weird New Jersey actually did report that some of the test dummies sent down before the opening had been dismembered and decapitated. So, well, I don't know how true that is. I think it's probably not. But, at the also, same time? given this place, <laughs> it absolutely could be. Yep. Yep. So, um, Gene Mulville, or I can't ever say his name correctly. Mulvihill. M U L V I H I L L. Mulvihill, I think. Um, his son Andy confirmed to the New York Times in 2019 that he was the first living person to test the ride after, um, and by after, they're referring to the test dummies. My goodness. So, he may or may not be confirming that they existed. I mean, <laughs> it seems to imply that they right? did. Um, but yeah, he did so <laughs> wearing 
his full set of ice hockey protective equipment. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. Uh, the cannonball loop was not fun, he recalled later. Quote, it was more like a ride you ride to survive than to have fun. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Um, and to further complicate it during the short time that the cannonball loop was open, apparently a rider got stuck <gasps> because there was insufficient water pressure. And so they had to install a hatch in the bottom to allow them to get at people if oh, God. they got stuck. That is like again a nightmare. That is a nightmare scenario for me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So, not a whole lot of safety measures existed at all at Action Park. So, riders at the time reported that more safety measures than usual were taken with the cannonball loop, which apparently meant that the riders were weighed, hosed down with cold water, instructed to remove jewelry, and then carefully instructed in how they had to position their bodies to complete the ride. Yeah, n- no. I'd have been like, that's... No thanks. <laughs> I pictured it be like, it's the 80s, you have to put your cigarette out first on this ride. <laughs> yep, um... So the ride was opened, closed, and reopened a few more times over the years, um, including in the summers of 1995 and 1996. So they just kept trying, it would seem. (laughs) Stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. I mean, teeth embedded in the side walls. You gotta, like, Come on. hose people down and yeah. take their jewelry That <sighs> They were surprised to find the teeth is really interesting to me. Like, did nobody say, oh my god, my teeth are gone when they got to the bottom? Were they just too drunk? Right. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't understand. Um, so... It was open for a handful of days when it was open, and then further injuries would eventually make it completely, completely shut down for good, but they didn't take it apart until 2015, I think. Wow. Uh, hold on, let me see. Which is so weird, because it's not like there's a whole lot to take apart there. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, it says it was dismantled shortly after the park closed, but it doesn't say which time. So I'm guessing probably the earliest time that it closed. Um, but in uh, 2014, video footage appeared to show riders going down the cannonball loop um was unearthed and published online so you can actually watch it happen um and i think it's in the documentary too 
but oh man yeah so they they did a whole lot of questionable things so there there were several other very notorious issues um including eh, some drownings um in the tidal wave pool i don't even know if they have those anymore oh yeah do you remember the wave pool they still have well I don't know if they still have them now. I know they had them when the girls were younger because one of the few times their dad took them anywhere, um, mm. they'd gone to, again, the Dells, and one of the um, places had a wave pool. <laughs> and no, nobody was watching Eldest. And she just kept getting pummeled. The poor peanut. Oh. She was like, nobody helped me. And... So was, but that was like probably about nine years ago. All right. So, I mean, still recently enough. Right. So, yeah. So there was a tidal wave pool. Um, oh, shit. Biggie. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> yes. I believe we are still rolling. Okay. <clears throat> so the first death occurred in the tidal wave pool in 1982, and five years later, another visitor drowned there. Mm. The um, number of people the lifeguard saved was so large that... It was nicknamed the Grave Pool instead of the Wave Pool. Whoa. Because it was that dangerous. Um, yeah, it, it just, like, I am an extremely strong swimmer. And reading all of these things, like, I am, I have been pulled by riptides. Like, I'm... Very, very competent in the water. I've been a lifeguard. I can drag people out of pools. But, no. (laughs) I wouldn't go in some of these. So, um... Well, shouldn't it was the 80s? You just sent your kids in there. Like, you'd literally just let your kids run amok, and you and the adults would go hang out somewhere and drink beers and relax. Yeah. Um, so, for this wave pool, 12 lifeguards were on duty at all times. Ooh, that's a lot. For this one wave pool. (sighs) Yeah. And on high traffic weekends, they were known to rescue as many as 30 people. Jesus. Yep. And just to put that into context, because, um... This article also put it into this context, and I think it makes sense to say normal lifeguards might rescue, like, in, like, a pool or a lake or something. You might pull one or two people out per season. Wow. Like, it's 
per season, let uh, alone or, day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... As... Working as a lifeguard, I never once had to dive in. I have had to do so when not working as a lifeguard in different situations, but I never, like, it simply never happened. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know very many people who aren't on bodies of water, like ocean lifeguards Mm -hmm. or um, in lakes, that have actually needed to do so in a real-life situation. So it's rare. So 30 people on a busy weekend? That's bananas. 12 lifeguards on duty at all times? Like, hmm, that's a big deal. Yep. So there was also this beautiful, glorious idea called the Tarzan Swing. Oh, God. Which was... A steel arch hanging from a 20-foot-long cable over a spring-fed pool. No. And basically, you just waited in line to hang from it and swing out over the water and jump off when it reached its height. Um, But it... Like, it was up to you to know when to jump. Nope. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... (sighs) Everything is always questionable. Um, But some, like, so many people were bad at it that they eventually had to um, build a cushioned area so when people would let go as soon as the uh, swinging started they would land on a cushion and then crash into the water Um, (laughs) but in the 80s I guess the position was shifted so that Patrons started over the water, not over the land, <laughs> to avoid um, some splat, which I am real unclear about why they didn't do that to begin with. Um, but the water under the Tarzan swing was fed, was a spring-fed pool. It was a natural pool, and it was so cold that um, in 1984, one man died from a heart attack. <gasps> oh, wow. Hitting the water. Oh, yeah. that's sad. It is sad. So, like, these are just a few of the really, really bad ideas. There are a pair of diving cliffs. Mm-mm. There's a raft-based water ride that broke a whole lot of bones. Um, And I believe that though it's sort of hard to tell since it's pandemic times and the names have changed, but I 
think that at least part of Action Park is still open. Oh, wow. And um, that it's possible that the Rapids raft ride is still operating. Um, so, you know, breaking your collarbones, noses, femurs, whatevs. Totally fine. Totally fine. I can't imagine the waiver they must have to sign to. I don't even know. Um, there is a, um, a ride called Surf Hill. And people often, like, it's one of those slides, I think, with the multiple, um, like, dividers between it. So it's a large slide with a bunch of dividers, so a bunch of people can go at the same time. Oh. They would frequently collide, um, (laughs) because they would just well the the mats would stick or get uh stuck in puddles or there were lots of problems and so the barriers between the lanes weren't very tall and so they just sort of mm, came together collided the uh seventh lane was apparently nicknamed the backbreaker because it's um special kicker two-thirds of the way down intended to allow jumps and splashdowns into a larger puddle existed so like that lane was literally designed to make you go airborne on a water slide with minimal divider height that's no. <laughs> Look, all of this sounds like some Sims Sims Park game that like twelve year olds would create. Yep, and so employees at the park were well aware of that seventh lane, and so they would hang out there because. You would always see either serious injuries or lost bikini tops <laughs> okay. on that particular slide. So that's blood and boobs. Yep. Um, when Mountain Creek was the name of the place, that was one of the names that it changed to in. Um, it's grand reopenings and rebrandings. Um, they kept that ride operating through 2005 and reopened it again in 2012. Wow. I mean, I, Jesus. I, yep. I'm just floored. The, I, wow. There were diving cliffs. No. Mm-mm. That's not a... No. There's nothing about that that says good idea to me no um super speed water slides so nearly vertical slopes 
to allow riders to, quote, attain higher speeds than usually possible. So this was one of those ones that you went down just your body, but you had to have everything all crossed together so you wouldn't get it stuck anywhere so you would stay straight. Because if you didn't, um, you wouldn't stay on. Oh, God. Like, woo! Um, so, the lifeguards had to remind every person who rode that they had to remain flat on their back with their arms at their sides because there was no other way to ride it and stay on the ride. Oh. <laughs> yep. Um... So only one of those slides is still visible today, but you can see the remains of the other ones um, where they once were. I, I mean, that's when you enclose the slide. Right? Just saying. Like, I... Not for the cannonball one. I mean, I guess if you're going to have a cannonball one, it should probably be enclosed. But... Like, don't do that. That's really dumb. Seriously. And I say that as someone who has absolutely ridden one of those. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Very bad idea. Terrifying. All right. So, there is a sort of lazy river type ride that was mostly... drinking and taking different (laughs) routes and then getting surprised by crashing into each other later on because you would accidentally gain speed on some of the turns. So that's fun. Yes. Um, Yeah. So there was also a... Uh, in this, there was a one path that would take riders back to the main path. Like, you could choose different forks to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would dump everyone out at the tunnel's end and then reconnect with the main path. And there were there was a thing called the rock pool. And it was exactly what you think it is. Somebody thought it was a good idea to just have jagged rocks <laughs> that would cause cuts or scrapes or what have you in the ride if you didn't know to keep all of your hands and feet inside. Like, just along the, along the walls, jagged paths. It, and it wasn't uncommon to hit your head or get lacerations or break a bone. Because sometimes speeds really uh, became much higher than expected. And... 
one of those forks might throw your raft into a rock wall. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, no. Why? <laughs> Why would yeah, you? I don't know. Yep. And sometimes the rafts would climb the walls after hitting the walls at high speed and drop people out and cause injuries. Now, apparently this shit is still open. <gasps> But you have to wear a helmet. <laughs> Look, if a the water fuck, ride requires a helmet, you should probably just not be on. Oh, God. Yep. Ah, there's also a skydiving simulator. Oh, oh God, no. You know... <laughs> Those machines and cartoons with the fans and, you're, yep. you know, hover... That. It's that. Mm-mm. Yeah. There were some, um... <sighs> dislocations. Severe injuries and near-permanent paralysis. From that. That sounds pretty accurate. So... So, yeah, Um, the ride designers themselves did not have training in physics or engineering. (laughs) They just built rides, not knowing how they would work, and then let people ride them. That seems to be the approach. Uh, And I think they're right. Like, a lot of times people are just trying to throw someone under the bus. Mm-hmm. But no, I really think that is exactly how this it's happened. It's what it seems like, because most normal people would look at it and be like, that's not maybe how that's supposed to look. <laughs> right. And so um, most of the people, like I said earlier, who worked there were teenagers. And the security director of the park said that he first got the job when he was 21 after having worked at the park for two years. Oh, my God. Because that, that, it's a great idea. Um, yeah, there are sessions that all of the employees would have to go through to practice the rescue of drowning victims, but instead... The new hires had to play the drowning victim, generally speaking, and it was basically hazing. Because um, that's what they need there. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Um, and instead of being trained, they were often just abandoned in the water to let them get out themselves. Oh, because that's fun. Yeah. Um, almost everyone was underage. Definitely nobody was well-trained, and there was almost always booze present and available, and the park didn't really try to enforce any rules or alcohol limits or... um, safety requirements that they might have had um they there were 
technically height and weight based restrictions, but they were generally speaking ignored because everyone was a drunk child. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, there are just so many stories from people who have had just absurd experiences on these on the different rides that you couldn't even like you could never cover all of them um so mostly because no one was paying attention and because everybody was drunk and because everyone was also a teenager things like groups of people gathering around certain rides yelling comments um calling out numbers based on someone's body oh. or just all manner of things swearing people flashing other people there were there was lots of nakedness oh, um, lots of just hmm lots of uh not not telling anyone they couldn't do what they were. So it was like a teen's dream job, huh? Doing, yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds really fun, honestly. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that it was really fun. I absolutely would have worked there. I absolutely would have, like, even as a person with major anxiety... Being a teenager and also being as confident and competent in the water as I would have been as a teenager, I would have felt invincible. I'm, <laughs> I'm positive. Um, so, yeah. The park sold beer in many kiosks on the ground um, and didn't really card. Um, so doctors who were seeing the injuries come into emergency rooms reported that most of people were intoxicated so beer plus water parks also questionable and i say that as a person who is not above beers at the lake and then like using a rope swing to swing out over the water like bad idea but you do the math and it's probably fine this shit's risky sober (laughs) yeah well that's just it this will probably kill you sober so maybe don't do it drunk although i was gonna say (laughs) weirdly enough being drunk probably prevented an awful lot of injuries yeah because they're just so relaxed drunk people don't brace Um, I mean, that's often why drunk drivers survive in accidents when there are fatalities, because they have not clenched all of their muscles and bounced off of things. And so, weirdly enough, the alcohol might have saved people that's... here. I mean, it certainly injured people. Right, but, but no, yeah. I it mean, may have sort of evened out. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yep. So... The late 70s to mid 80s were not well known for its regulations in 
this part of New Jersey. So it uh, also turns out that in order to um, get around the fact that they had included or they had allowed minors to operate some of the rides and didn't really report accidents, it came out that um, a specific rule for New Jersey theme parks is that um, I guess at the time parks only reported accidents where someone had to be transported in an ambulance as an accident. Okay. So the park was only fined once because that because they weren't reporting and when they did report they weren't really reporting the right number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um and the documentary does a much better job of explaining how all of that worked. I'm just going to go ahead and say the the New York regulatory climate is not exactly um, transparent or straightforward ever, and it's especially not at this time. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you about the people who died, because, right. like, holy shit, and also... I feel like their names should be set. Absolutely. If we're going to talk about yep. this. Um, all right. Six people are known to have died directly or indirectly from rides specifically at Action Park. So on July 8th of 1980, 19-year-old George Larson Jr. was riding the Alpine Slide when his car jumped the track and his head struck a rock. He was rushed to the hospital and died on July 16th. The owner told reporters that he had been an employee because a customer's death would have had to have been reported to the state. (gasps) Wow. Larson didn't work there. Oh, God. He worked as a ski lift operator during the winter season at a neighboring park. Ugh. Yeah. That's gross. July 24th, 1982, George Lopez, a 15-year-old boy, drowned in the tidal wave pool. Mm. August 1st, 1982, a 27-year-old man from Long Island was tipped out of his kayak on the kayak experience and wasn't able to write it. And so while trying to write the kayak, he stepped on a grate that was either in contact with or came too close to a section of live wiring <gasps> for the underwater fans that had somehow become exposed and he was electrocuted, which sent him into cardiac arrest. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. Several other members of his family were also nearby and were also injured. Um, He was taken to the hospital and he later died of shock-induced cardiac arrest. Um, The park at first 
didn't said they didn't have anything to do with his death because there weren't burns on his body. Uh friends, water is conductive. Yep. That's why you have like five different tags on a hair dryer telling you not to drop it into the bathtub. See also toasters. Yes. I don't know why you would have a toaster near your bathtub, but they certainly are pretty clear about you not wanting to do that. Um so after the electrocution, the ride was drained and closed for investigation and it's kind of unclear what the actual issue was. Some people said that there is, you know, just like a little nick taken out of one of the wires. Some people said it was um, closer to eight inches of exposed wire. I'm going with that one because that seems par for the course for these people. However, the state's labor department found that the fan was properly installed and maintained and that no violations of safety laws or amusement ride regulations had occurred. So they wrote him a check. <laughs> it's New Jersey. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, so... Um, a name was not provided for the 27-year-old man... We could probably find it, but I'm not going to look for it. Makes sense. Because if it isn't readily available, I feel like that's probably because the family doesn't want it to be. That makes sense, yeah. Um, Yep, so in 1984, on an unknown date, uh, just, you know, sometime in 1984... A fatal heart attack was suffered by a visitor who um, used the Tarzan swing and is thought to have been triggered by shock from the natural spring um, being so cold. The water in that area was only 50 to 60 degrees. Oof. The other areas, for comparison, were 70 to 80. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, just think about being out in the rain when it's 50 degrees and how bone-chilling that is. is. Like, there we go. Um, So the Tarzan swing and the cannonball ride were both operated by the spring water. Mm. Because... the looping and teeth loss wasn't enough. It had to be really cold. <laughs> yes. While you were doing it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was then providing numbing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe that's why people didn't notice their teeth were embedded in the wall. Oh um, yeah. Mm. On August 27th, 1984, Donald DePasse, a 20-year-old from Brooklyn, drowned in the tidal wave pool. Mm. And on July 19th, 18-year-old Gregory Grandchamps drowned in the tidal wave pool. Wow. All, all males. So, 
I assume, I guess, that the heart attack was a man because it's more common. Yeah. But, um, yeah, everyone else, I believe, is confirmed to have been a man who died. That's interesting. Which, I mean, kind of makes sense, given it is hmm. a risk-taking yeah. uh, situation, and most of these well, men or boys were still adolescents. Mm. And they were definitely not... Their frontal lobes weren't fully formed. Yep, yep. And risk-taking is a very, very real thing that happens in that particular demographic um, at a higher rate than it does for the general population. Also, they were drunk. Ugh. And I'm not saying the people who died were mm. drunk. I have no idea. Um, so, not disparaging them at all. But largely the people who were doing stupid things yeah. seems to have been drunk. Although the people who did die don't seem to have been doing anything wrong. Right. Like, none of them seem to be doing anything suspicious. Or anything that they shouldn't have been right. doing. Right, it's not like it they were trying to, to ride a ride been... standing up or, you know. Yeah, was... it seems to have all been an accident um, on their part. So, anyway, that uh, that is Action Park, and it's kind of abandoned and kind of not. There are parts of it that still exist. There are parts of it that no longer exist. Um, there's... There are multiple episodes of various things, um, like uh, something called Defunct Land, which I don't know <laughs> about, but it seems like something I'm interested in. Um, covered it... Um, Johnny Knoxville was, oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, inspired by the reputation, I guess. Um, and filming did happen there. I think it was the Jackass movie. It's gotta be one of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was... I think in uh, 2017. Um, there's a documentary video from Mashable called The Most Dangerous Theme Park in America from 2019. And there's a 2020 HBO documentary, which is how I became familiar with all of it. Well, actually, NPR is how I became familiar with all of it, talking about the HBO documentary. Um and that's called Class Action Park. I will and check it out. Yeah, so... I'm not sure if it shall rise again. I think it post-pandemic. should not. I think it should just um, not. 
Yeah. It definitely technically still exists in some way. Oy. But it also very much does not exist in many ways. And you can see the footprint left behind by the things that injured enough people. So, apparently in New Jersey, generally speaking, ignored unless it takes out several people. Mm. So, that is Action Park. It's kind of wild. It's also, like, if you watch the documentary, it looks like everybody's having a fucking amazing time. (laughs) So, like... We all did dumb things when we were teenagers, and they're not wrong that given the volume of people going through that place, like, it's amazing that there are only six confirmed related deaths. I mean... The clusterfuck (laughs) of, of just components there between the not no engineer background design shit teenagers alcohol like just all of that together yeah it's very fortunate it's it's a lot and it's asking for trouble um so yeah i don't know um if it is currently still kicking, which I don't have any information post-2016 that confirms it, um, it has switched once again from the Action Park name to back to Mountain Creek Water Park. So it's just flip-flop between those two names several times. So, watch the documentary. It's pure chaos. Also, kind of nostalgic. Kind of... You leave feeling like you kind of want to go. But you also kind of want to never, ever see anyone you love. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, that is... That is Action Park. Wow. Which means it's time for <gasps> the weekly way to die. So disappointing. <laughs> All right, hit me with yours. <sighs> I now that I've heard that, I don't know. <laughs> What I was originally going with is I sneak snock onto Neverland's campus and end up getting nommed by a stray crocodile that was left behind. <laughs> as long as it is swallowed in a while. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. Right? That's the correct that reference. That is correct Yes. Woo. <laughs> um, well... I would particularly not like to die by a cement water slide misadventure. Oh, no, that just makes my whole body ache right now. <laughs> like, I mean, there have got to be pictures of little kid me at 
the not dissimilar childhood place uh, slide away. I'll have to see if my mom can dig some out. But I like Florida. We went there all the time, (laughs) and it was such a bad idea. Like such a bad idea. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, if you have really, really bad idea um, water park memories from your hometowns and your home areas, we want to hear your stories. Absolutely. Please. And if you went to um, Action Park, we need Need to know. Tell us everything. All of the things. Like, I want to know what you had for lunch. I want to know what your swimsuit looked like. Everything. And if you happen to work there, oh, yes. we want to know all of the dirt. We don't even need to tell anyone. We just want yes. to know. We want to hear it. Absolutely. So. And yeah. do you want to be spooky internet friends? No. <gasps> Sorry. Okay, yes. <laughs> we are Bones <laughs> and Bobbins on all of the social medias. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Bones and Bobbins is us. Or you can just scoot on over to bonesandbobbins.com and you'll find all of our stuff there. It's true. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Someone who listens wrote a really nice review. Uh, And I forgot to bring it with me to this particular recording, so I will have to thank them on a later episode but it really made me smile i'm air hugging you you. even then it's okay because i'm tested negative for the covid so i can't give you the germs hey (laughs) oh my goodness um so please dear friends rate and review us and just make those internet gremlins happy So we can show up in recommendations so the other morbid souls can find us. Bring forth the morbid souls! <laughs> yes. We <laughs> need do. them. Her stuff. Yeah. Our, our stock is running it low. It is. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and on that note, let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget. Mm-hmm. Lock your doors. And don't run with scissors. (laughs) Especially in a swimsuit at a park. Oh, I just have so many memories of losing my swimsuit top in various misadventures. I don't remember being in like anybody seeing though so i guess it didn't matter (laughs) it all worked out anyway yeah well we we will uh talk to you next time listeners we adore you have an excellent week Bye. each episode of the bones and bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley pearson cox and natalie hoyce our music was composed by loyalty freak music You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts 
follow us on Spotify, or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.